<laughs> Good morning, everyone. It's great to see all your faces and hear your voices. Still one of my favorite times of the week is getting together and just being with you guys. Uh, we are Mine looking too. forward. It is yours. Yeah. Good. Good. Look forward to it. It's pretty funny. So I'm, I, I was always very extroverted growing up, and Doug was very introverted. And as we've been married, the longer well, we're married. I wouldn't say very introverted. <clears throat> the longer we've been married, we kind of rub off on each other. So now he'll be like, oh, I invited someone over. And I'll, I'll be like, oh, I just kind of wanted to be home by myself, which is the reverse of, but, you know, it's pretty funny. She said I was, like, very introverted. I was you were pretty kind, in, I said I'd say pretty. kind of, like, yeah, more than you. But apparently I should have just stayed introverted there. So. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I was greeting people. I was saying hello. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Well, you can continue. What conversations are like in our house. So we're going to tell you what we're going to be attempting to do this morning. We're going to start things off with communion. Chaplain Doug is going to lead us through that in just a moment. After communion, we'll have our time of worship, and then Miss Alice will come up and lead any kids who'd like to join her through a Bible verse. We'll dismiss them to their Sunday school classrooms, and then we'll have our time in the Word today. We are in Questions Jesus Asked, Part 4, and Pastor Doug is going to be preaching. And it was really good, the last two I listened to. Thank you. And uh, I'm looking forward to you guys digging in, but before we do any of that, let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you come? Papa, we are so thankful that we can come together corporately and worship you. Papa, it's such a privilege and let us never take it for granted. We thank you for how you've shown us that you are near to us this week through your faithfulness, your trustworthiness. And Papa, we praise you because we know you will do it again next week. Papa, as we settle in your presence in the throne room, help us to drop our distractions so we can focus fully on your face, so we can listen well, so we can hear and learn and Papa be changed to be more like you. We thank you, Papa. And we join with all the churches around the world where your gospel is preached with this collect. Almighty and everlasting God, in your great mercy, look upon our weaknesses and in all our dangers and needs, stretch out your right hand to help and defend us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Chaplain Doug. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body, take and eat in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he took the cup was the last night of the Passover celebration. The cups of plagues and sanctification had already been poured and celebrated. Jesus takes the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Drink this in remembrance of me. Gathered with his friends that evening, Jesus gives us a lasting ordinance or remembrance, which we call communion or the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. He said, from now on, when you get together and partake of this meal, I want you to remember me. And as his friends gathered here today, we too can partake of this meal, the bread and the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord. And we want to remember and give thanks. We want to remember all that Jesus has said and done and promised to do. We want to remember his willingness to go to the cross on our behalf. We want to remember how he defeated death and rose again, and we want to remember with awe and thanksgiving that he's coming back for us soon. So here on the table are the elements of communion the bread, the cup, the body and the blood of the Lord, the table is open to all who believe. So as we worship this morning and you feel led by the Spirit, please come, partake, remember, and give thanks. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Chaplain Doug. 
We're going to enter now into our time of worship together. And I just like to encourage us all as we're, as we're here together to sing out and to participate as we elevate Jesus in our midst here today. We're going to see the words show up on the screen, so it'll be really easy to sing along with. You're welcome to sit, stand if you're able. This is one you probably know, How Great Thou Art.
children then you hear your children now you are the same god you are the same god you answered prayers back then any you will answer now you are the same god you are the same god you were providing then you are providing now you are the same god
the tide of old Till the earth knows You're a God of love Let my dry bones Sing you song All the glory To the God of love Sing all the glory All the glory to the God of love, sing all the glory, all the glory, to the God of love. Oh, we love you, Lord, and we are so so thankful for this time of worship in your presence. God, you're good to us, Lord. We worship you. You are worthy of all of our praise. Lord God, I'd ask that you'd be with us as we prepare to study your word. Lord God, would you anoint the words that are spoken, that are taught, God. Use those words to stir up our hearts towards you. And Holy Spirit, I'd ask that you'd be with those who are going to work with our children, God. Anoint them. Give them everything that they need to show all the kids your wonderful love for them. You are good, God. We love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. And amen. And hey, mom, why don't you come up and teach the children a Bible verse? Check, check. Am I on? I don't. Good morning, everybody. How are we today? It's good to see you all. I love having the crowd, huh? Isn't it awesome? Hi, honey. Good morning. Come on up. Find a seat. You can get closer if you want high pumpkin. Okay, so today you're going to learn a Bible verse out of the Old Testament book of Esther. Now, I want you to think about a time when maybe you were at school or with your friends and somebody got their feelings hurt or maybe fell down and you had to you had to step in and protect them maybe help a little brother and sister up yeah we speak for those we try to that need a voice or that are hurt and that's what queen esther did in fact she used her position as queen to save a whole generation of, of Israelites. And it wasn't easy. She had to really think about it. But she knew that if she did the next right thing, that God would be with her. And he sure was. And she used her position and her influence to protect, right? And to help and to heal. And all of us have the opportunity to do that in our lives. Every day, we can protect and help and heal. What, baby? Okay, yeah, yeah, that's good. I like your dress. You're welcome. You guys want to help me say the Bible verse? Yeah. All right, here we go. Esther 4, 1, 4. Esther 4, 1, 4. Who knows if perhaps... Who knows if perhaps... You were made queen... You were made queen... For such a time as this. For such a time as this. Good job! guys nailed it nailed it awesome and you're getting job. stickers now from miss cameron because god rewards us when we diligently seek him like you yes. just did by coming forward okay while she hands those out i'm going to pray for you okay and papa i pray today that you would bless every child here every family here every sibling here papa raise up this generation to protect and to heal and to do the next right thing. And we love you for all that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, all the children of God said, Amen. 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 All right. Y'all know where to go, right? The kids are going to have so much fun at Kids Church. Well, welcome 
Once again, I'm, uh, I'm always so excited when I get the opportunity to share. I'm so thankful to my dad for allowing me to do this and thankful to you guys too. A couple little bit of uh, church keeping, a couple little bits of church keeping, I should say. Uh, our baptisms are coming up February 11th at Bay of Honda, 9 a.m., Baptism, super important. It's one of the ordinances from the church. If you have not been baptized, you should. Uh, that baptism in February is one of our, our favorites. It's very memorable. Uh, you'll have an opportunity to hear the staff pastor's voices go up several octaves. Water's always a tis chilly, but you'll remember it. It's so important to remember that. You can sign up to be baptized on our app. If you haven't downloaded that app, download it right now. Also coming up in February on the 15th, uh, that is a Wednesday evening, we have another family fun night. Uh, That is a huge outreach event. We always meet all sorts of people in our community. You're welcome to bring your kids if you want, but we desperately need volunteers to make those events possible. Volunteers are so precious to us here. So if you can and are willing and able, then you must sign up on the app. I, that was that was a joke. It's okay. You can chuckle when I but say must. The reason we ask you guys to sign up on the app is so that we know how many volunteers we have. And so yes. we can get the, the chores divvied out. Indeed. Yes. So very That's important cool. to do that. If this is your first time here, welcome. We're so glad you joined us. On our screens right now is a QR code. You can open up your phone's camera app to scan that. It's going to take you to a web page with some basic contact info. This just helps us get to know you a little better because that's what we really want to do. So, uh, you know, scan that, fill that out. It's good. And if it's your first time here, we have a little gift for you back in guest services. Miss Cynthia is over there. She'd be happy to take care of you. We also take this time in our services to encourage us all as a church to be praying for our community. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for the people who live in the homes around your homes. We all live in different areas of these islands, so it's a great way to to spread the prayer around specifically for as many people as possible. And let's do this. Let's corporately pray for our communities together. Holy Spirit, would you come again as you're so faithful to show up. Lord God, we are so thankful for this amazing place that we call home, God. It is truly a privilege to see the beauty of your creation every day on our drives to work and home. God, from the ocean to the creatures to the plants, God, that you've created, we're so thankful for this place. And Lord God, I lift up the inhabitants of these islands to you, God, that everyone who calls these these places, their homes, God, I lift them up to you. Give them extra blessing, extra grace, God. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come in the Florida Keys, that everyone who lives here, that visits here, God, would know that your presence is real and near just from stepping foot on these islands, God. Lord, I lift up the people who live in the homes around this church building. God, give them extra grace as they give us extra grace on Sunday mornings. And Lord God, I lift up the churches that neighbor our church as well, God. I'd ask that you'd bless them with every resource and provision as they proclaim your gospel and love on your people well. So Lord God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We're continuing on in our series called The Questions That Jesus Asked. Uh, This is part four after an intro and three other parts. And if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to them. They're all really good. My dad's doing a tremendous job of encouraging us to read the gospel and and look for these questions that Jesus asked. And uh, we're encouraging our church to start in the gospel of John and note, highlight, write down on your notes app, however you take notes. But do that as you read through these questions. And uh, we're up to John chapter 13 this week in looking through these questions. And these questions are just such a great teaching tool of Jesus. But we'll be in John chapter 13 today. And uh, as you go to read uh, this upcoming week, get through John chapter 21, because next week we'll be looking at 18 through 21. But this week we're on chapter 13. And the question that Jesus asks that we'll be talking about today is, do you understand what I've done for you. And before I can go any further with the message, I am required by law to follow in my father's footsteps and give you a few bad jokes that are exceptionally poor in quality. 
how do we know the universe is expanding? The asteroid belt is running out of notches. It's a dad bod joke, okay? Happens to us all. Did you hear about the pig that joined the Royal Shakespeare Company? He was a natural Hamlet. Robert liked that one. Thank you. (laughs) Our scripture reading here on purpose, I've asked my wonderful wife, Kimberly, to read that. So would you please save me from any more jokes? What a ham bone. It's okay. Bring them on. It's all good. Am I part of the family now? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to redirect. Let's uh, let's pray before we read. (laughs) Lord, we thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Thank you for what you've done for us. That while we were still your enemy, you freely offered your life to free us from slavery to sin and death. Papa, renew in us the wonder of that great love and empower us to live naturally supernatural lives now that you have bought our freedom. Lead us in bringing your kingdom here by loving others the way you love us. Amen. Will you stand with me for the reading of the word? Our text today is out of the book of John, chapter 13, verses 12 through 17. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Blessed be the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So, right at the start of that passage that we just read, and, you know, this, this moment that we're reading here is uh, Jesus with his disciples uh, during the Last Supper. It's right after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and leading up to his crucifixion and resurrection in such a great moment that we read, this little inside peek of this tender time that Jesus has with his disciples. He's, he's preparing this last supper and this this washing of the feet that we'll talk about here momentarily, but he asks them the question that's going to be our first point. Do you understand what I've done for you? Jesus asks his disciples, his close friends, do you know what I've done for you? So as we get ready to talk about this, uh, let's look into the beginning of John chapter 13 for some context Uh, for this first point, and uh, we'll be looking at verse 1 here, John chapter 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing. But later on, you will understand. No, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was clean. So this, this amazing moment that we're reading about, 
Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Uh, in Jesus' time, it would have been customary to have uh, someone wash the guests' feet right before a meal, because as they were eating, they, they were sort of, you know, lounging like this, and I'm not going to fully lay down because we don't have a table and a pillow, but uh, that, that, that's how they would eat. It was a very close, intimate thing, and you'd obviously want your feet to be clean uh, as you're about to eat this meal. And that hadn't happened yet because the disciples were having a discussion, a dispute, argument, however you want to call it, of who was the greatest among them, who was the top dog, the right hand of Jesus, the second in command, if you will. And we know that they were having this because in the Gospel of Luke, uh, it tells us in a different account of this moment, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be considered the greatest. So we know they're having this discussion, this argument on who is the greatest among them. And Jesus, who is actually the greatest among them, sees that the meal's not going to take place unless this happens, this washing of the feet. So Jesus teaches them here, this this greatest servant of all time, Jesus, goes up and he begins to wash the feet of his disciples. And it's so pivotal that we know that this, that Jesus was willing to do it. And obviously, he's going to be willing to do these other great acts of service to his friends and his family and, and all of God's children. But this moment here was a teaching moment that Jesus has with his disciples on how to be great. It's to be willing to serve. The disciples are sitting there full of themselves. And I'll be talking about the disciples a bit and sort of helps me to think about the disciples like this, is that they would have been younger than Jesus at the time. And Jesus was 30 to 33. So he was like my age at the time. The disciples could have been like older teenagers. And that would have fit well with when they wrote their gospels, right? It would have made sense. So these are, you know, just, just to kind of give you perspective on why they're acting the way they're acting. They're not a bunch of old guys at this moment in time, okay? So we see Peter... <laughs> have a response to Jesus washing feet. So Peter, full of himself, he probably would have been one of the ones vying for that top seed in the disciple bracket, right? He sees Jesus washing feet, the the other guys, and he's like, shouldn't one of the other guys do it? Lord, make one of the younger guys do it. You know, that's this response here in in verse 6. Lord, are you actually going to wash my feet? Peter says to Jesus. And Jesus says, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but you'll understand soon enough. No, he said, Peter, you're not going to wash my feet. That's, that's for the lowest of servants. And Jesus answers him, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Jesus loves them so much. He demonstrates what it means to be a servant here in this tender moment that's between him and his crew. So we see our second point here is this, understanding the importance of serving in the kingdom. Understanding the importance of serving in the kingdom. Knowing how important this servant heart is. Uh, I want to look at another moment where the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest among them. And this is found in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9. Jesus is doing miracles left and right. They're on their way to do some more kingdom work. They're walking. Jesus has his disciples. They go to this house. And that's where we are at Mark chapter 9. That is the the Cliff Notes version, just to kind of get us moving here. Chapter 9, verse 33. Uh, They came to Capernaum, and when Jesus was in the house, he asked them, what were you guys arguing about on the road back there? Jesus knew what they were arguing about, but he just kind of wanted to hear what they'd say. And the disciples kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. They were kind of like, yeah, we got this, Jesus. We'll, we'll sort it out. We'll figure it out. And Jesus was so cool. He was greatest teacher ever, right? He takes this moment to, to teach them. He doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great in the kingdom here. I think that's important to know. He, you know, he appreciates that they want to be great, but they're going about it the wrong way. So Jesus teaches them what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. And his response was in verse 35. He sits them all down and Jesus calls around his 12 and he says this, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He's saying if you really want to be great in the kingdom of God, if you really want to make a difference, if you want to have a life of impact, then you have to be willing to be a servant. 
And, you know, as I'm saying that now, yes, it sounds like that's something we'd say in church. Living it out is completely different than just saying it. I don't know about you, but I sort of like to be served and to be served rather quickly. I'm rather inconvenienced when at a drive-thru it takes a few minutes too long, right? That That's a great example of being not humble when we should be humble or, you know, when my delivery package takes a day too long. It's like I, I, I ordered it with this shipping. I want, right? We're not to be like that. We're, we're, you know, very minor examples, and we could go on and on about that. But you're, you're getting the idea here that the heart we're supposed to have, our heart posture, is to be that of a servant. Is to have a willing heart that sees a need and meets it just right then and there. Okay, I see that it needs to happen. Nobody else is jumping up. I'll take care of it. Having that heart posture, that willingness to be a servant oftentimes puts us in the right place at the right time to make a significant difference in the kingdom of God. God uses a willing heart. He doesn't use greatness as the world sees it. He uses a willing heart to be servants of all. So those, those who are willing to be servants of all, that's who God uses. So that puts us to point three here that we'll talk about. What exactly is a servant of all? What is a servant of all? And such a great example of this, uh, we'll find in the Old Testament, is found in the story of David and Goliath. And my, my father's done an awesome job of tying in New Testament and Old Testament uh, in this series, and we'll be doing that here today. And, you know, going up to the story of David and Goliath, important to get context, right? So we're going to look at First Samuel chapter 16 first, and uh, this moment in time, Saul is the current king of Israel. And God gave him an order to go wipe out a people group and to cleanse the land of it because that land, God had a different plan for it, okay? So Saul ends up going. He brings his army and he and his boys wipe out everything except for what they want to keep, okay? So there's there's the drawback. Saul sees lots of cool stuff. He's like, I'm going to take that stuff. I don't know what God's talking about. It's perfectly fine. We're so Saul disobeys God and not following his orders. He, he's not obedient. He's not listening to God anymore. So he needs to be replaced because the Israelites are God's people. So he's like, I need a king who's going to do what I tell him to do. So that's where we're at in this moment. So the Lord, speaking to Samuel, the, the current judge and prophet of Israel, he says this to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem the town of David, right? I have chosen one of his sons to be king. King Saul, he's stopped listening. He's gotten this big head. God's replacing him. Sends Samuel to Jesse, who has a lot of sons. And so Jesse's going to line them up because one of them's supposed to be king. So Jesse brings his eldest sons up and Samuel looks at them one by one. And uh, this this part of the Bible always reminds me of that scene from The Emperor's New Groove. Maybe you grew up in the 90s like I did and you remember it, but, you know, Cusco lines up with all these poor girls and just kind of goes, no, no, very meanly, mean scene. I, I sort of get that mental picture of here, you know, Samuel's just going up to the guys. He's like, no, yeah, you smell funny. No, no, no. Goes through all seven, says no. So, like, Jesse's brought all the ones he thought would be king, and Samuel's like, none of these guys are it. So Jesse's like, well, we got David out back, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel's like, well, why don't you bring him up and let's see. And so Samuel sees David. He's like, this is the king of Israel. Anoints David as king right there. I say all this to bring up that this happens before David and Goliath. Um, his dad and I were talking about this message. He's like, did you know that he's anointed king before David and Goliath? Because like our movie timeline, like Sunday school head would say David and Goliath happens, then he's anointed king, becomes king. No, he's, he's anointed king. He knows he's king before this next part that we're going to talk about happens. So David's anointed king there. And um, David, he was also a musician as a shepherd, okay? And so... There's one of Saul's guys uh, sees that Saul's being tormented by this evil spirit because the Lord has left Saul. Saul gets tormented. Saul's like, I need some music to like soothe me. So this guy's like, I know this guy who plays a wicked harp. He knows some secret chords, this fourth, fifth, minor fall, major lift, all that stuff. <laughs> so they bring David over to Saul to play harp. And as David plays the harp, the evil spirit 
leaves Saul, and Saul experiences relief. So David's not only a shepherd now, but a gigging musician. When he knows he's supposed to be king. So he, he serves. He serves his earthly father. He, he serves Saul. He's respecting his elders. He's doing all this. So that's chapter 16. Chapter 17 is going to lead us into David and Goliath. So chapter 17, verse 1. The Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Demim between Soko and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. If you're wondering why I'm doing these hand motions, it's because I'm looking at a map. Okay, Philistines would have been like here. Israelites would have been here. And then, so both on hills, valley in between them, drawing their lines. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span, and I'm sure we're all familiar with cubits and span, what that means, but in case you didn't know, it's estimated around nine feet. Goliath had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. Uh, On his legs, he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. Goliath, as the Bible says, was a big old boy. It had, you know, hundreds of pounds of armor, on him, scary guy. As we're reading, we see Goliath is going to just come up every day and just trash talk the Israelites. He trash talks God, he trash talks them, trash talks their mamas. It's not good. We read in verse 16, for 40 days, the Philistine Goliath came forward every morning and evening and he takes a stand. So back at home, Jesse says to his son, David, take this ephah of roasted grain and take these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses for the commanders of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. He's saying, David, take this stuff for sandwiches. Go bring me some news. Twitter's down for some reason, okay? (laughs) I'm just joking. Verse 19, they are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. To Jesse's perspective, his seven boys are gone, these big, strong guys. Uh, The Israelites at the time were a farming community. So losing seven strong guys on the farm is a big deal. It slows down production and, and work and all that. So he's got David here. So he says, David, take this stuff over to there. Bring me back some news. And... um. It's so important here to see David's response to it, right? David knew he was to be king. He could have said, why do I need to do that? God's made me king of Israel. I'm the king. You go do that. Instead of acting entitled, David acts with a servant heart. Those are contrasting things. We see a lot of entitlement in our society nowadays. We need to be servants, okay? So David acts with a servant heart here. We read this. Chapter 17, verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David leaves the the sandwiches with the keeper of supplies, runs to the battle lines and asks his brothers how they were. And as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. So this is right where that climax is that we all know, that we, that we've all read about. It's, it's been talked about for history, this moment in time. David is put in this position to have a significant impact because he was Willing to care for the smaller things. He had a servant's heart for the smaller things. We see that he listens to his father, who's sending him on a mission. Even though David's the rightful king of Israel, his father tells him, go, bring this stuff, bring back news. David, with this willing heart, goes. Not only that, David tends to his sheep. He could have said, I'm the king of Israel. All the sheep are mine anyway of Israel. But no, he tends to his little flock. He makes sure they're taken care of so he can go on this mission. Does the mission, Jesse tells him, takes care of the supplies, goes up, sees his brothers. Guys, how are you? And then as he does that, here's the trash talking from Goliath, right? So David is going to obviously do what he does, right? He grabs stones, five stones and a slingshot, puts them in his pouch. It's a one-shot, one-hit kill for him. David's put in that place because of his servant heart. When we're servants at heart, 
we'll, we'll just be surprised. We'll be shocked at how many times God puts us in just the right place at the right time to make a significant kingdom impact for him or just, just to change our lives. God's so good with that. Have this servant heart that we're talking about. Now, this was just a little extra uh, from the, the studying this week about what David does with Goliath after he defeats him. So, you know, mention slingshot, forehead as we read, Goliath goes down. David's actually going to chop off Goliath's head, okay? And then he's going to take his head outside of Jerusalem, okay? So he goes to Jerusalem, and Jerusalem at this time was a Jebusite fortress. They, the Israelites didn't own it yet. They will, uh, but it wasn't that yet. And David takes Goliath's head and mounts it outside the city of Jerusalem on a spear, and the, the head of Goliath would end up being eaten by birds. They'd pick off the flesh, and it would end up being just a skull. It's kind of graphic, Doug. Where are we going with this? But So skull mounted on a hill outside of the city of Jerusalem and tying Old Testament to New Testament now. It's so interesting that when Jesus is crucified, it's just outside of Jerusalem on a place that's translated as the skull. He, he's crucified on a place called Golgotha. And perhaps we can get Goliath of Gath from Go- Golgotha, right? Goliath of Gath. And why, why did David do that? That's, that's you know, gruesome sounding. Why did he put a head outside of the city of Jerusalem? What did David know? And I believe David knew this, that every giant that would ever come in our lives would be slain at the foot of the cross when Jesus hung on there outside of Jerusalem. Because of Jesus' willing heart to serve humanity, we now have a shot at salvation because of that giant's fall at the name of Jesus. They fall. Any giant in our lives goes down. David knew that at the time. And how, how awesome is that, that thought? So our job in all of this is to have that servant heart, to have that willingness of Jesus, to have that willingness of David to see a need and go meet it. So, Lord, would you come in this place now? And, Father, would you stir up that servant heart in our church today? Lord God, we want hearts that are willing, not hearts that are entitled. Lord, we want to serve others. We want to serve you. Stir that up in our church and in our community today, God. We're, we're so thankful for what you're doing here and what you will continue to do. God, we, we, we love you. You're, you're awesome. I, I, I'm so thankful for your presence here. You're, you're always so kind and so loving. Our ministry team's going to be heading over to the wall there to pray. Did think Alicia might have had something? Is that the one that works? We're going to find out. We'll, we'll find out. It sounds like it's working. I think so. Good morning, church. Um, so I want to premise this by saying that I love that the Lord speaks to each one of us in a way that we're going to understand. So if you're not a Golden Girls fan, I'm sorry. But that's what I got this morning. Um, it was the scene in the Golden Girls where Rose is sitting in her old farmhouse and her husband has died and it was her birthday and she was going to tell him over her birthday cake that she was going to sell the farm and she was going to move. And it was very painful for her because it was, that was their life together, right? That was, that was all she had known up to that point. And what the Lord is encouraging me to tell you or for you to tell someone else this morning <laughs> is that the Lord knew her next season before she did. She was sitting at that table in pain and it was agonizing for her and she was going through a lot of grief. But the Lord knew what he had in store for her because he who has begun a good work in you will com- finish it till the day of Christ Jesus. He will keep working in your life. So I just want to encourage you that the Lord's already there in your next season. So if you're going through something that is painful, he's already there. And he knows all of the blessings that he's going to pour out upon you when you get there. Amen. Thank you, Alicia. That was way more applicable than my Emperor's New Groove reference, so thank you. God is good. Uh, we, we believe in the power of prayer here at the church. So again, anything you need prayer for, our ministry team is over there to pray for you. If you need prayers for healing, we believe God heals. 
situational breakthrough. God moves through. Prayers for intercession. It's all good. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your lives, do that today. Best decision you'll ever make. Anyone on that wall will be happy to lead you through that. Got to say this, church, thank you so much for partnering with us. Uh, Your amazing generosity keeps the day-to-day functions of this church going and enables us to do lots of cool stuff, uh, both in our community and across the world. So thank you for that. If you're interested in partnering with us, the information's on the screens there. Let's sing the doxology together. Get that loaded up. All right, here we go. Praise God from whom... done. And may the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face shine upon you and may he be gracious to you and give you peace and go today in the peace, the power and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you soon. Drive safely on your way out. Some big football games. Hope your team wins. Catch some fish. See you later. Goodbye. An online church, thank you so much for watching and being a part of our online community. We love you dearly and appreciate you. Next week, my dad will be back up. We'll be looking at John 18 through 21. So read those if you want a little head start. We'll see you soon. God bless.